At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 548th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who blends nutty flavors for healthy spread options. We're talking with Jeff Malkoon about the origins of peanut butter. Jeff is the owner and developer of Peanut Butter Americano. The idea came for his family-owned business when he was volunteering in Uruguay. He recognized that while peanuts grew abundantly in the area, people still preferred to consume sugary spreads such as dulce de leche. Inspired to find healthier alternatives, and after much trial and error back at home in his mother's kitchen, six flavors of all-natural, low-sugar, tasty spreads made their way to Arizona farmers markets. Today, alongside his sister Denise, PB Americano's mission is to provide delicious, nutritious, and socially beneficial spreads. Welcome to the show today, Jeff. Are you ready to rock peanut butter? Excited to be here, Greg. Thank you. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Thank you for sharing, Greg. I I was ushered into the world of the peanut back in 2013 when I was living in the South American countries of Uruguay and Argentina. And I realized at this time that they were growing peanuts in this part of the world. And in fact, about 10% of the world's peanuts today are produced in this region of the world. But I couldn't find peanut butter, Greg, on on store shelves. And it it kind of blew my mind and created this mystery in my mind of, okay, why are they growing peanuts but not consuming peanut butter? And as you mentioned in that wonderful intro, I noticed that children were going to school with another type of spread on sandwiches, which is dulce de leche, uh, which is absolutely delicious, but doesn't have a lot of nutritional value, certainly not uh, close to as much as the peanuts. So it, it kind of deepened the mystery. And I thought maybe there's there's a gap here of some kind that, that I can contribute to, to bridging. And, and that's what got me started on uh, the path to create a peanut butter company. Wow. And it's it's been a ride. I've actually watched it just for transparency, I've known your mom and your uncles for decades. And so when this whole thing started up a few years ago, I kind of, you know, got to see it from the periphery. And it looks like it's been a fascinating ride. It has been, Greg. It has been a fascinating ride. So I I took that idea that I originated in in Argentina and I brought it back to the States with me because, of course, the, the market for peanut butter is here in the United States. And I was a broke backpacker at the time, and I thought this is something that I can I can start from the ground up, grassroots at local farmers markets with little startup capital, and and grow it from there. 
and I've spent the better part of the last seven years, along with uh, my, my sister, the co-owner of, of our company, doing just that and, and bringing it from one local farmer's market in downtown Phoenix, Arizona, to uh, thousands of street markets and public events and thousands of retail locations and, and online. So we're really wow. proud of what we've done. And we're really proud of uh, the mission of the company too, which is, which is another big part of, of what we do. Yeah. So you come back from South America, a broke backpacker, and you say to your parents, all right, I'm going to make peanut butter. What was their response? <laughs> well, uh, it was shock. It was shock to be, to be short with it. Uh, Greg, we, I had just finished a master's degree in, in nonprofit management before leaving to South America. So when I returned and, and told my parents that I was starting a, a peanut butter company, they, <laughs> they weren't, they were shocked. Uh, you know, might as well have been starting, starting a band in the garage. Uh, they said, you know, peanut butter company. We thought you were considering law school, applying to jobs. But they, they, they turned into believers once once it hit the marketplace and, and they could see that it was a real business, something that the customers really enjoyed and that had a lot of potential. So I was going to say they got to be really proud of you now. I, I hope they are. I hope they are. It's uh, I, I owe them quite a lot for allowing me, you know, the space to, to do this. And so I hope they are. Nice. So tell me about peanut butter. Let's start with uh, maybe the nutritional value of peanut butter. Absolutely. Well, you know, this was part of the mystery that came in front of me in, in Argentina is a spread like a dulce de leche or a Nutella, something that's sweeter and creamier loaded with sugar versus a spread like traditional peanut butter. And first of all, what I tried to do was to, to develop something that both you know, met the palate of people in parts of the world like Argentina and Uruguay, while at the same time providing something that was healthier than what they were eating. And so one of my primary focuses was low sugar. And everything that we make is under four grams of sugar, which is which is not something you find across the whole industry. You can find, of course, very sugary peanut right. spreads and other nut butter spreads. But we focused on low sugar. Everything we make is under four grams of sugar, under three net carbs, which is the ratio of, of carbs to fiber. And the peanut itself, Greg, is is just loaded with vitamins. And, and this is what I felt was missing with what I saw in South America. You know, just to name a few, the, the, the peanut is a massive source for the B vitamins, for B1, B2, B3, uh, niacin, as well as zinc. It's a great source for zinc, which in the year 2020 is something that we should all be considering because it helps the body to stave off viruses, viruses. like the flu yeah, and other other things that, it, yep. that we're aware of that have been uh, affecting um, the world. So a great source for zinc, and of course, very well known, a great source for protein. Eight grams of protein uh, per serving uh, with peanuts and peanut butter. And so for these reasons, uh, peanut butter and, and peanuts generally are a, a great food, a very high nutrition food for children to be consuming. And so this is what we wanted to promote. We wanted to promote something that, of course, is delicious. We developed six flavors of all-natural nut butter, uh, ranging from white chocolate peanut butter to cinnamon roasted almond butter. But we also wanted something that was low in sugar and that, that really brought forth the nutritional properties, or at least, I guess, left them in place. 
without tampering with them as much as as some of the bread you can think of do the, the the kind of the bigger companies do and provided something that was helpful for people. Yeah. Wow. So where do you get your peanuts at? Do they grow in the U.S. and Arizona? Sure. So when we established here in the United States, Greg, uh, and, and since this is a 100% U.S. made product, we primarily source our peanuts from uh, peanut capitals that you, I'm sure, can think of Virginia, Georgia, and West Texas. And we, uh, we bring almonds in from Central California. And what we do is we, we bring these nuts in raw, and then we roast and grind them so that they're as fresh as possible for our customers. Because the shelf life of nut butters actually begins when the nut is roasted, as I'm sure many people are aware. The, the, uh, the shelf life is tied to the rancidity of the oil that oh, yes. comes out in the roasting process as opposed to the nut itself. And so uh, we try and roast and grind as, as uh, close to when we're, we're selling product as possible so it's fresh. So how, how long does peanut butter last on the shelf? Well, you know, when, when you are going to get a product like peanut butter shelf life tested, you run a rancidity test where they observe the oil at very high temperatures over a period of time and determine how long it takes for the oil to actually go bad, because again, that's what goes bad. And usually this is at least 12 months, depending on what they put into the product. You can buy right. peanut butters that are good for maybe a little bit longer, but natural nut butter is, is typically a 12 month shelf life. Wow. And so you're bringing them in and you're roasting them and grinding the nuts into the butters themselves. That's right. Yep. T tell us about and that. Often, oftentimes when, fo when folks buy our products, they've been produced within 24 hours of the purchase. So just really as, as freshly roasted and as freshly ground as, as we can possibly be. Wow. Can you tell us about the process of roasting and grinding and prepping it? Sure. So because of aflatoxins and other things that come with something like the peanut, and the peanut, of course, is different than the almond, but Peanuts typically we want to roast at around 350 degrees for between 15 and 20 minutes to kill off any of the bad stuff. And so that's, you know, that's kind of the roasting process for, for peanuts, Greg. And then, you know, almonds have their own deal. And again, that's when the shelf life begins and when, when we bring it to market. So awesome. And so you started selling at farmer's markets. And what kind of response did you get when you showed up at the farmer's market the first six months you were in business? Well, the I'll tell you, the first day that we, we brought our products out to market, the very first market, Phoenix Public Market in downtown Phoenix, mm -hmm. which is a wonderful farmer's market oh, yes. if you're ever in town, we sold out. Oh, wow. We sold out of everything that we brought and couldn't have been happier, couldn't have been more excited. And then, you know, got home and, and thought, you know... Maybe it's not quite as exciting as I thought. Maybe I should have brought more products with me. And so, you know, selling out sounds, it, I mean, it sounds cool. And, it, it, you know, it was a great feeling, but I realized uh, pretty quickly that we needed to produce more nut butter than we were producing and, and bringing to the market. So and, hold on uh, here. Hold on. It's easy to sell out when you don't bring enough. Well, <laughs> or it's not so easy to sell out unless you have a great product. 
Well, we, we like to think we have a great product too. And, and you know what, we've, we've had, uh, we've definitely had days where we've sold out at three festivals and market when we did bring uh, lots of uh, copious amounts of product. We attend all sorts of events now, Greg, vegan festivals and um, all sorts of events like that that cater to particular diets. And sometimes we'll bring, you know, a pallet of peanut butter to some of these events wow. and, and go through it. So. So yeah, people have taken to the, the flavors. Yeah, nice. And you're actually producing this all in Phoenix. We are. We are. We brought we brought peanut butter and uh, nut butter production to Phoenix for the first time and to Arizona for the first time. Awesome. Wow. Congratulations, man. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Well, you know, the the, the peanut, we get this question a lot because we, we produce the products here in Arizona. We get the question of, oh, well, are, are your nuts sourced from Arizona? And of course, our answer is that, that peanuts and almonds don't typically grow very well here, uh, at least in the desert, commercially. And I've, I've had to correct, I've had to add this little caveat. I, I have to say commercially, because there are folks, there are farmers here in the desert who do have peanut plants and do, have, uh, do grow almonds on a very individual level. But the, the type of love that these plants need and the type of water that they require, that means that they don't typically grow very well commercially here in the desert. And so we do source from California and the eastern part of the United States. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to have you go back in your uh, way back time machine in your head. And I want you to tell me about a time when you were at a market or somewhere and it occurred to you. So, because something happened, it occurred to you like, oh my God, this is the reason I'm doing this. Do you have one of those for me? It, it's every, every time we go to markets, Greg, is, the, is the, the answer that comes to my mind. I mean, I, I live for the smiles on people's faces when they try white chocolate peanut butter for the first time and then turn the jar around and realize that what they're tasting, that tastes much like a, a dessert uh, comparable to Nutella or other spreads is under four grams of sugar. And it's just like, you know, one surprise after the next, that's what we live for. And that's what we created this, this brand to do is to, to make people happy and spread happiness. So <laughs> nice spread happiness, pun intended, right? <laughs> that's our little slogan, spreading happiness. That's yeah. right. Well, congratulations. I am so incredibly excited for you. And I've been, I've been watching you the whole seven years thinking, wow, where's this going to go? And, you know, showing up at your first market and selling out, no matter how much you brought from an entrepreneur's perspective, that's a dream come true. It is. It really, you know, it really was a dream come true. And it, it, because it was a dream, this was a dream that I had in another part of the world that I brought back to the United States. And because of the system we have here, was able to turn it into a reality uh, pretty quickly and to grow it from there. And so we're, we're very proud of where we've been, but we're very grateful for, for having the opportunity to do that. And for the community, which has been just so supportive, the, the local business community here in the U.S. And so we're, we're grateful to have this opportunity. Well, I'm proud of you. Good job, man. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. So tell me about the history of the peanut. That's got to be fascinating. It, it really is fascinating, Greg. So as best we can tell, the peanut was first cultivated in the Argentina region of South America between 3,000 and 4,000 years ago. And it slowly made its way north from there. It was used by uh, the Incans 
who kiln-fired pottery we've unearthed in the shape of peanuts. Really? Which is really beautiful pottery. Uh, It was was used by the Aztecs and Nahual and other tribes in Central America. And by the time the Spanish arrived in in Central America in the early 1500s, the peanut uh, is already an established established in the region. And they, they're calling it cacahuate. And so the, the, the Spanish encounter the Aztecs who, who actually make a version of peanut butter using ramekins and stone grinding tools to, to mash up the cacahuate. And, and so, you know, as much as we like to take credit for the invention of peanut butter here in the United States, I think they, they had versions of this as the peanut slowly traveled north over over the centuries uh, from from the Argentina region of South America. And of course, what did the Spanish do with this newly discovered peanut when they arrive in Central America? They do the same thing that they, they do with beans and cacao and peppers and pineapple and potatoes and foods that we now associate with other regions of the world, but that actually came from uh, the Americas in their origin. And they take the peanut back to Spain, where other European traders pick it up and spread it to different regions of the world. And for the peanut, probably the the most notable regions that they introduce the peanut to are West Africa and Southeast Asia. And those are the most important regions. And this is huge because it, it transforms entire swaths of those regions into peanut producing powerhouses until this day. And today, uh, Southeast Asia produces over 50, 50% percent of the world's wow. peanuts. So we're you know, the world is producing about 47 million tons of peanuts annually now, and over 26 million tons of that is produced in Southeast Asia and China and South Asia and India. And of course, they the Spanish European traders introduced this to West Africa which is huge because today West Africa is the world's second largest peanut producing region. A lot of people don't realize this. And what happens in about 100 years after the peanut is introduced in West Africa in the early 1700s is Africans bring the peanut with them to the United States. <laughs> and we, we, know, we, we know the history there, but the, the peanut was actually introduced to the United States by uh, folks coming from Africa, uh, from these regions. And yep. And so that's, I guess, a brief uh, history of the peanut and how, how we got to where we are today. I think we, a lot of us are familiar with some of the more recent applications of the peanut in the United States, peanut butter, uh, peanut sauces. Uh, the Chinese really took the peanut to another level. They found a lot of industrial uses for the peanut. You know, peanut oil is is used in cosmetic products today and, and dressings and you paint and varnish in all sorts of products. And so it's, it's just really blown up from its origins. Wow. That's fascinating. Cool. Anything it else? It is fascinating. It is. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's the uh, history in a nutshell, right. Greg. And that's, that's what I've got for you. All right. Awesome. <laughs> in, a, in a peanut shell. In a peanut shell. There you go. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might've learned from it. I fail every day, Greg. I think that's the answer I should probably give. I, that's a good answer. It's not one or two times that come right to mind. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I fail every day, but that's 
part of our industry. And I think that's part of our country and our world. I think that, that we humans don't always have the best of everything, but we, we make the best of everything. And that process entails failure and it entails bouncing back from, from failures. And I think the key is to keep the failures as small as possible. So, you know, makes is make lots and lots of small mistakes. And so that's what that's what I think I'm doing every day, just trying not to make mistakes that are too big. And that's how we but, learn. Uh, that's how we learn. That's how we learn. And and I think that there's there's a conception, especially as Americans, that we we have the best of everything. But I think the truth is that we what we have is because we make the best of everything and we keep fighting every day. So oh, well said. Well said. And what do you consider your biggest success? Simply perseverance. If I, if I have a success, you know, the, the food industry is among the most critical industries that we have on our planet. And it always has been, but it's also one of the most challenging industries that exists. The work is hard. The margins are often slim, but I think that's, that's just the type of challenge that a nut like me is looking for. So, so I think I think perseverance is is probably uh, my biggest success if I can point to one and, and just continuing against often the odds and uh, keeping small business running and and growing. I love that. Never give up. That's kind of my slogan. It's just you just keep going and going, especially especially when you know this is what you're supposed to be doing. So, what drives you? I think opportunity is what drives me. Greg, if I had to point to something, you know, opportunity that tomorrow can be better than today, better than yesterday, and the opportunity to grow and, and leave the world better than we found it in some way, big, big and small. I think that's what, what drives me when I wake up every day. And uh, you know, I'm fortunate to, we're fortunate, all of us, to live in a time when there really is more opportunity than ever. And so more cause for optimism, I think. Than, than ever, even even in the worst of times. So, Amen to opportunity. That. If you could yeah. recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Well, I'm right now I'm reading a book called Never Split the Difference, written by a fellow named Chris Voss, uh, who was the lead uh, FBI hostage negotiator in the United States for, for a number of years. The book's called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. Wow, and uh, my sister and I have been reading this book at the same time, and we we're now referring to it as our business Bible because it's just loaded with with great information about on basically just commu- communicating effectively with people in the, in the business world. So excellent, great read. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I don't know if I'm in a in a position to give advice, Greg, but I, I appreciate the question. Well, I contend you are because of your success so far. So that is why I want to hear the answer from you. Maybe what I can do is share a couple of my favorite lines of all time uh, that, that, that are coming to mind right now. And, and one is from Winston uh, Churchill, which it, people will be familiar with. And that's that, if I can remember it, success is bouncing from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. <laughs> nice. And so, and so, you know, I think the advice there is don't lose enthusiasm for growth. And then my, probably my, 
maybe my all-time favorite uh, quote is from a poet named Khalil Gibran, Lebanese poet, who said that sadness is but a wall between two gardens. And it's just, it's such a thought-provoking line to me. And I think that this year, 2020, has brought some sadness with it uh, in our community and others. And I think it's, it's more important than ever for that reason to remember this line and that there's a garden on the other side and that we need to move past this wall and into the garden and, and that it's there. So I don't know if that's advice, but those are a couple of favorite lines of mine. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jeff. It's been an absolute pleasure, Greg. Thank you. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? And better yet, how can we get some of your nut spreads? Well, I love that question. Uh, our, our listeners can go to our website, PB as in peanut butter, Americano.com. And they can order online through there. Our products can also be found in other online locations, uh, such as Amazon Prime. So Nice. So your website is pbamericano.com. That's right. We ship, ship uh, nationally, ship internationally. Excellent. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash pbamericano. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.